two weeks into the Israel-Hamas war. As the world falls deeper and deeper into fear and polarization, you may be asking yourself, how do I feel about this? Should I do something? Should I be praying? Should I condemn? Should I remain impartial? Is it right even to pick sides? When you take a moment to reflect, when you listen to that inner dialogue regarding this topic, what is the first instinct that you have when you hear about all the horror and pain happening in the world around us? Do you empathize with it? Do you ignore it? Do you tend to downplay it? Do you tend to think that media is exaggerating things? Do you look away? Do you avoid watching or reading the news in the hope that it will all somehow disappear? Do you start research? Do you dig deeper into history? Do you dare to form, honor and express your own opinion? Or do you prefer to seek the opinion of your friends and uh, kind of regurgitate the opinions read in the news? All over the internet, the advice that is being dispensed is pick the side of peace. Choose the side of life. But what does that actually mean? What does it look like to apply this in practice? And what difference does it make to the Israeli or Palestinian people? Which side you, somewhere here in Amsterdam or another side of the world, are picking? And this is what this episode is about. Consider it a practical guide on how to do something that is actually in your power, within your reach, to choose that side of peace, to pick the side of life. Your most mind-altering hour of the week. Hi, you're listening to Shift Happens, and I'm your host, Ina. This episode is inspired by an experiment conducted more than 30 years ago at the Hawaii State Hospital in a special ward, a clinic for mentally ill criminals. These inmates had committed extremely serious crimes, such as murder, rape, kidnapping. But they had to be assigned to such a clinic because they were also diagnosed with some deep mental disorder. This ward was a horrible place to be. Aggression, violence, and terror permeated each nook and cranny of this place. No day would pass without uh, a patient attacking another inmate or, another, or a member of the staff. The people working there were so afraid that they would walk close to the walls when they saw an inmate coming their way in the hallways. After several years, this uh, place increasingly deteriorated from the physical condition of the ward itself to shortage of staff to inmates uh, coming to a place where they would never see the light of day or get any fresh air because the members of the staff were just afraid to take them out and because of all the violence and aggression that took place. One day, um, a new psychologist was assigned to this ward. When they arrived, the nurses were uh, making bets that he would be just another one of those psychologists who would fill their heads with various theories and then leave the place running for his life just a month later. Dr. Lenz stayed for four years and went down in history as the doctor who healed the word of mentally ill criminals with Ho'oponopono. He never left his office. He barely even saw the patients. 
he mostly just sat inside his, uh, behind his desk, inside his office, reciting four sentences all day long. And those sentences were, I love you, I'm sorry, please forgive me, and uh, thank you. So you may have heard of this practice called Ooponopono, and you may even dismiss it as yet another self-help hogwash. And this is important data. The way you relate to this information is important. So let's briefly go back to the beginning of this episode when I asked you to take a note of the way that you respond to the conflict or the news of the conflict around us. And consider the following thought. The way you tend to react to the pain in the world is a reflection to the way that you relate to your own pain. If you look away and try to ignore the events, ask yourself, is that what I tend to do with my own inner pain? If you condemn the war or any party in the war, ask yourself, do I condemn myself or do I condemn any part of myself when I don't feel as great as I'd like to? And the same stands for the way that you relate uh, to the tools and methods that are sometimes offered for healing. Do you brush over them? Do you dismiss them? Do you lack faith in them? Or do you embrace them? Perhaps you even start binge healing, something like going to multiple therapists, applying uh, multiple tools all at once. All of this is data and is a start to practicing self-awareness. But the purpose of this episode is to go beyond self-awareness and evolve the principle of self-awareness into what Ram Das called loving awareness. So we are, with this episode, uh, going to apply a practical method that is going to help us evolve the principles of self-awareness into loving awareness. To do so, we will use the principles of rational emotive therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy. We will use the principle of the law of one, which is a series of five philosophical monographs, and the practice of Ooponopono, the Hawaiian practice to applying the art of love, forgiveness, repentance, and gratitude for healing yourself and for healing the world around you. So um, what does this have to do with the conflict in the Middle East? The Ho'oponopono is grounded in the belief that we are all part of one universal energy. This practice represents one of the purest forms of self-love and um, it is about reclaiming your energy, reclaiming your own power through love and forgiveness. Dr. Len described this process as, mm, I just kept saying, I'm sorry, please forgive me, thank you, and I love you, over and over and over again, over each and every file of every patient in that ward. And he did this the entire day, and that's all he did for all those four years. Well, it turns out that loving yourself because that's what in practice he was actually doing. He was loving himself because by recognizing the pain in the other, he was recognizing the pain in, in himself and 
Ramdas sometimes refers to this as uh, taking over the energy of the other or taking over the pain of the other. So as soon as you do that, you heal it in yourself. And when you heal it in yourself, you heal it for the other. So um, in doing so, he was improving himself. And that's what Dr. Len said, that um, loving yourself is the most potent way to improve yourself. And as you improve yourself, you're actually improving the world. So loving yourself is actually the way that you love the world. Bringing peace into yourself is the way you bring peace into the world. When you want to enhance anything in your life, the only place to look is inside. And when you look, it is important that you do so with love. So let's think about it. If one doctor managed to heal a whole world of mentally disturbed patients all by himself, consider what we are able to achieve if we were all to bundle our strengths and to apply these principles all together, but all separately in our own time, in our own spaces, wherever may be, whoever we may be with and however we may be applying it. So let's have a look at these principles and let's look at the practical application of this. So let's start with the fact uh, that we need to define or with the fact that, w that we need to realize what self-awareness is. When we think of self-awareness, we need to think of it in relation to something else because everything exists in relation to something else. So how can we know that we are aware or not aware or less aware or more aware if we're not able to compare it to something? If we don't have a benchmark or we don't have something else that it relates to. So let's consider that um, as Ho'oponopono is teaching us that if everything is one universal energy, then this is our benchmark. This is our reference point. This is the part of ourselves that we are needing to align ourselves with, this one en universal energy. Or some of us may call it the higher self, others will call it the creative selves, and others will call it um, God within. Whatever your terminology is, please apply that. So how do we distinguish when we are perceiving ourselves as operating from our highest version, when we're using this reference point, or whether we are operating from ego? So we have two yardsticks or two benchmarks. One is contraction and the other is expansion. Loving awareness will always feel like expansion the ego will always feel like contraction. One sounds like fear, the other one sounds like love. So at any given moment, if you are wondering, if you are in alignment with your higher self or with the one or with the one universal energy or with God, ask yourself the following question. Do I feel contraction? If your answer is yes, then your ego is hijacking. Do I feel expansion? If your answer is yes, then you are being in loving awareness. So we're going to use this kind of simplified version of um, emotional guidance in order to understand our position at any given point in time 
with respect or in relation to our higher self. So what does this tell us about our special responsibility in this case? Well, this tells us that our feelings, all of us, all, or all of our feelings, are our guidance system. They are there to do one thing and one thing only. They are there to point us in the direction of the highest within ourselves. So for to, to become aware of this, we need to also accept and acknowledge and understand that the highest within is always calling us. It's like a magnetic force pulling us in its direction. It's always guiding us home. And the way it speaks to us is through a very simple emotional guidance system. And that is through contraction and expansion. You only feel lost ever in life if you are not listening to it. If you are not, or if you are listening, but you're not taking any actions to correct your course if you are off course. So listen, learn to course correct, and use this guidance system, and then make the adjustments in your thoughts, adjustments in your behavior, adjustments in your personality to correct the course so that you may feel this emotional guidance that is guiding you towards your higher self, so that you may feel expensive again, so that you may feel loving awareness, so that you may feel aligned with your higher self. You have to become disciplined and this is what the big responsibility to us is. We cannot um, dilly-dally with this. Only one thought can corrupt the, an entire whole process. So be as discerning, as determined, and as disciplined as, as some kind of a skilled um, captain navigating his um, boat or his ship through some stormy sea. You have to be just as steadfast and unwavering as if you have no other choice, as if your life depends on it. So um, steering your boat in a sense with just as much precision and just as much resolve. So are you with me? And how do you discipline your personality to become the loving awareness that we're talking about? And according to the law of one that I mentioned earlier, you do this by navigating the following three stages. Knowing yourself, accepting yourself, becoming the creator. And you cannot be loving awareness if you're not loving to yourself. And you cannot love yourself if you do not accept yourself. And you cannot accept yourself if you do not know yourself. Therefore, that's why you can also see these three principles or disciplines as three stages or the three different levels. Know yourself, accept yourself, and become the creator. So self-awareness is about being able to discern the truth from the uh, falseness in your mind, to discern this contraction from this expansion, to discern when you are in the state of love or in a state of fear. And also the active part of self-awareness, so that's kind of more the passive part of self-awareness, but you have an, an active element and that is 
about bringing correction to anything that is keeping you uh, in a state of non-alignment with your higher self. So that means bringing uh, correction to false thoughts, bringing freedom to limiting beliefs, bringing healing to fear and to pain and so forth. So let's go deeper and dive into how do we actually apply this um, practically to bring that healing about. So most of you are aware of the fact that when we speak of awareness, we most of the time speak of the three levels of awareness. So we speak of conscious awareness. This is our day-to-day way of being, our intelligence, our emotional intelligence. Then there is the subconscious awareness. This is most of the time when we are in dream states or the things that we are uh, not aware of. And um, then we have the super conscious uh, level. So conscious awareness is what you know and you use to control your life. Subconscious awareness is what you don't know and it ends up ruling your life if you keep it unaware. The superconscious awareness is the creative flow state, which eventually starts to take effect in your life once you make the unconscious conscious. Does it make sense? So how are these three levels of awareness correlating to the three stages of disciplining your personality? So know yourself works at a conscious level. Accepting yourself works at the subconscious level and becoming the creator works at the super conscious level. And for those people among you who are listening to this episode and are practicing either microdosing or practicing either um, uh, psychedelic substances for personal development and for revealing of the psyche, it's important to also add the layer of the fact that knowing yourself or the conscious level is the state in which we reside most of the time. As soon as we are uh, taking a microdose, this is when we enter into the subconscious level. So this is bringing us from um, the alpha states into the more the uh, beta and delta states. And when we talk about uh, brain waves and then Uh, when we take a super dose or when we take a high dose of, let's say, for example, a psilocybin or any other psychedelic substance, um, measured by scientists, they found that at a peak state of our journey, we usually enter this gamma state. And this is what we call the super conscious level or the creator self. So this kind of gives us a little bit of a guidance system with respect to how to navigate and how do psychedelics help us to reach various levels, but also apply the various uh, um, disciplines for disciplining our personality. So now let's dive deeper into the first uh, principle of the uh, personality, and that is knowing yourself. How on earth do you get to know yourself? So step number one is about self-awareness to consciously know yourself as that higher self, as an internal infinite being that is one with all. In fact, what this implies is that once you hear this, that you make a commitment once and for all to believe yourself 
as more than just a, a body, more than just a, a monkey here on, on earth uh, going through some kind of an evolution, which are both true, but you're not just that. So that you're, that, that you, it's time for you to, as soon as you accept yourself as the higher self, that you stay in that state, that you do not dilly-dally about it, that you do not negotiate with yourself and allow yourself one day to believe that and the other day to change your mind and believe yourself to be the small human. So this is the uh, first principle or first agreement that you kind of make with yourself um, on the path to knowing yourself. So as of today, and you may put a date on your diary and say, today, the 21st of October, 2023, I accept that I am... uh, the higher self, that I am the creator, that I am one with all, that I am one with the universe, that I'm one eternal infinite being. And uh, I will not allow myself to think of myself any other way from here onward. So that's the agreement or that's the commitment that you make. Then step two to knowing yourself is to start noticing when the false self, so the ego, is trying to convince you of the opposite. So as soon as you make a commitment to being the higher self, of knowing yourself as the infinite being and uh, uh, the one that is one with all, you will notice that the ego starts to try to convince you of the opposite so to try to show you how small you actually are how insignificant you actually are and how you are um, far from being a higher self that you are not worthy right so all those self-doubt moments they are part of the process in fact what is your job is then to become aware of these thoughts to become aware that when the false self or the ego is trying to convince you of the opposite and you will certainly know when this is happening by the way that you will feel so you will feel contraction you'll feel pain you'll feel reduction you'll feel less than that's when you know that you are trapped in your ego and the ego uses limiting beliefs as a tool So what are limiting beliefs? Limiting beliefs are anything, any thoughts, any projections, any narrations, narratives, uh, words that our mind are telling us, uh, our minds are telling us, trying to convince us that we are anything less than, less than one, less than universal oneness, less than the higher self. So, and... Some of those thoughts can come in the form of uh, not having, in the form of lack, in the form of fear. So it's not just about the self-belief or self-confidence. It also relates to um, uh, thoughts about uh, possessions or uh, place or timing or I don't have enough time. I don't have enough resources. I am uh, all alone in the world. All of these are thoughts that are being fed by the ego and um, are forming limiting beliefs and they're called limiting beliefs again in reference to the higher self because they're limiting or preventing us from being in that state and sense of alignment with our higher self. 
So then step three, you take these limiting beliefs. So the weapons of the ego (laughs) or projections or the self-perceptions that are being narrated to you by the ego. You take these weapons and you don't direct them back at the ego. But what you do, because you cannot fight war with war, if we stay on on the theme of the day. And you apply conscious correction. You bring them into the light, so to speak. So you take these weapons and you transmute them into in, transmute them into light. You transmute them into u- utilities, into tools. By either disputing your limiting beliefs, disputing the messages that are being given to you, um, or even going as far as denying, pure, just straightforward denying. So disputing the limiting beliefs is a practice that is taught by the rational emotive uh, behavioral therapy. And there's a specific methodology that you can use, and that is called the ABCD method. And it's a super, super handy tool. However, I'm going to teach you a, a more rapid application of that process, which is taught by the law of one. So this is how you practice um, the um, practice of self-correction. It takes place in three steps. So you deny the limiting belief that you have. So let's say that you've identified a limiting belief and later we'll look into a specific example. You deny that limiting belief. Then you apply the Ho'oponopono to heal that part of you that has been conditioned for all this time by that limiting belief. And then the third uh, step is to replace that limiting belief with an empowering belief by affirming the opposite. Does it make sense? So, of course, we first identify that there is um, a limiting belief in action in our minds. And we do that by the way we feel. We feel our guidance system, the emotional guidance system will tell us, do we feel good? Then we're in alignment. Do we feel bad? Then we're not in alignment. Then if we're not in alignment, we uh, scroll or browse our mind for the thoughts that are present. We identify the thoughts and we um, call them out for what they are, limiting beliefs. We take these limiting beliefs and we deny them their power, dispute them. Then we apply Ho'oponopono to heal the parts which have been using these limiting beliefs for, as resources for a period of time. And then we replace those limiting beliefs with an empowering uh, belief or um, a positive belief or something that affirms the opposite of what the original thought was. So are you ready to have a look at an example? Let's take fear, for example. Say that you're required to make an investment or take some kind of a risk and you feel suddenly a sense of doubt, maybe worry, and suddenly you realize, wait a second, I'm actually overcome with fear. When you are afraid of anything, you are acknowledging its power over you. And this can be a fear of any kind, fear of taking risks, fear of abandonment, fear of energies and entities, um, fear of uh, leaving, the fear of war, and so forth. So as soon as we catch it, we dispute 
or if possible, deny that thought. So in that way, by doing that, we revoke the energy from that thought. We revoke the power back. We recall our power back from that limiting belief. And you can do it in the following way. So simply by saying something like, I revoke and denounce any and all belief in fear of making mistakes or of taking risks to be using this example. So this was step one. Step two, we apply Ho'oponopono to heal that part of ourselves, which has um, lived with this fear for such a long time. Um, when we have to understand that whatever, even if it's a limiting belief at this moment in time, it has had a um, uh, kind of... Um, protective purpose for you it has been a resource trying to um, have a, a protective power over you so it's not something that we need to uh, hate or develop uh, aversion against this is something we need to embrace with loving awareness again so the way you do that we apply uh, the Ho'oponopono principles where we say I'm sorry please forgive me thank you and I love you so you say I'm sorry that I have allowed fear to rule my life then we could say something like please forgive me and we say forgive me to those parts of lives that we miss but we also say forgive me to the parts of ourselves that were protected by this fear we say thank you when we say thank you, we feel or we look into that part of ourselves that is a, developed as a coping mechanism or protection and uh, uh, all the resources that fear meant to bring me to date. And then we close with, I love you. And though it's not, let's, let's um, become clear about the fact that it's not necessary to state exactly what you are asking for forgiveness for or to say exactly what is it that you're thanking your limiting belief for because um, it's it's just about the practice is about feeling those emotions rather than what you are saying so it's less important what you're saying or the words that or the meaning that you attach to those words as it is the feelings that you feel as you state those words so this was step now, step three is about affirming. I affirm that I'm always safe and I'm filled with joy and adventure for life. I affirm that courage is all there is in my world and in this universe. So with this, we have just um, replaced that initial limiting belief with a new belief that is an empowering one that brings us more in a line that fills us, make, fills us with the feeling of expansion versus contraction, that brings us more in alignment with our higher self. So this is the golden formula. You practice self-awareness and your emotional guidance uh, system to feel into whether or not you're in a state of expansion or in a st state of contraction. And by that, to define whether or not you are in your ego or you are in your higher self. If you are in ego, you identify the limiting beliefs that keep you trapped in the ego. And then you use self-correction to course correct. And you continue to do so 
until you become loving awareness. So how can we apply Ho'oponopono to the conflict in Israel and Palestine? Well, specifically in this situation, you could spend some time in meditation. This is what I've done, saying, I'm sorry, please forgive me, thank you, and I love you. Envisioning the group of people that you, in this case, associate as victims. And that's up to you who that group is. And then when you feel complete, you can spend some time, so this is to stretch your uh, loving awareness. Um, you will spend some time in meditation saying, I'm sorry, please forgive me, thank you, and I love you. Envisioning the group of people that you associate as perpetrators and the enemies. Loving yourself is the most potent way to heal the world. And it is now more than ever important that, yeah, for some of us may feel that it's selfish to spend time on self-development, to spend time on trying to bring inner peace into our inner hearts. However, it has been never more important than now to do so. Because you have to be the peace that you want to see in the world. And in closing, I want to share a poem that I wrote last night. I see you. I see you. Wherever you are. Let not the shadows of the world cast darkness upon your heart. I know you. I know you, whatever you are. Awaken to love and awareness. Amidst this chaos, I call you from afar. I love you. I love you, whoever you are. This love, like a pure stream, can wash away all that smothers the truth. It can heal any scar. I am you. You are me. Together, one and all. The peace we wish to see in the world is only as strong as the peace that we hold. Have a good week. <laughs>